Hey lady, it's Dr. Dom here. If you like this show and you want to make your own, let me tell you about the free platform Anchor. It's a creation tool that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. You can add songs from Spotify and create any type of content that you are looking for. Anchor will distribute it all for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. On this week's episode in her space, do so many things. I'm the kind of person where I like to dibble and dabble on everything, right? So I used to want to be a fashion designer. I wanted to be a psychologist when I was younger. I wanted to be a business owner. I wanted to, I just have so many interests. And so for me, I feel like it was always very challenging to figure out what am I into? What am I interested in? Yeah, because one of the things that you pointed out was that your your job is your dream funder. My job is the thing that I'm passionate about, right? Your job is your dream. Right, yes. right. <laughs> so I knew from early on that I wanted to be a psychologist. How? Okay, so there were two points where I knew. One, it was like sub, kind of subconscious, right? So as a kid, welcome to Her Space, a podcast dedicated to uplifting women like you. We're your hosts, Dr. Dominique Broussard, a college professor and psychologist, and Terry Lomax, a techie and motivational speaker. In a world where Black women are often misrepresented and misunderstood, please join us as we initiate authentic conversations on everything from fibroids to fake friends and create a safe space where Black women can just be. Thank you for tuning in with us today. I wanted to start us off with our quote of the day. Don't confuse who you are with where you are on your journey. And um, I think you got to say that again for the people in the back. For the people in the way back. People back, in the way back. back. Don't confuse who you are with where you are on your journey. Such a powerful quote. I think that means so much to me. And... If you are in a space right now where you know that you aren't where you want to be or you're not where you think you should be, or maybe you're in a place where you know you're not actualizing your potential, right? You're in a phase of the journey, but you're not where you know you could be. This episode is for you. So be sure to stay tuned because it's about to get good. All right. Well, since we're just going to jump right in. Yes, we are. Talk to us about your journey. Oh, I mean, we just, we, we just, We're just jump, it. jump right in it. Well, Dom, when I think about my journey and this quote, ooh, my journey has been, it's been full of detours. It's been full mm-hmm. of dead ends. It's been, it's been a journey of sometimes circling around doing, what is it? Donuts. Doing Uh doing donuts. It's had some car crashes, some zigs, some zags. Sometimes I'm driving and the road just disappears. I mean, it's been, it's been a wild journey just in life, career in general. And I think when I hear this quote, it's really encouraging because it reminds me that, you know, even though I'm not where I want to be, 
that doesn't define me. Right. So right. I remember at one point in my journey and we'll kind of talk about the holistic, I guess, experience for us both. But mm-hmm. there was a time when I was in, I think it was in high school at the time. And I would clean houses. I would clean mansions with one of my mentors. And so we'd be cleaning these rich people's houses in Bryn Mawr, Pennsylvania. And I remember one of the guys, one of the families, this guy had a Maserati. They had an, an indoor pool and gym in their crib. They had an elevator. Like it was bomb. And I was like, yo, I'm like poor as hell right now. But this right here, like this, this is possible. Like someone's living like this. And that really inspired me. And so I just, I think about purpose and passion and how we can find that in life. And it, it's a question that I've often asked myself, like, what is my purpose? Why am I here? Since mm-hmm. I was a teenager, I read books about that. Um, there's a book called The Purpose Driven Life by Rick Warren, I believe. That and that right. was Yeah. And that was a book that I read as a teenager because I've always just wanted to know, like, why am I here? Like, why did mm-hmm. I get chosen to be here? And so I always try to figure out, like, what is my career path? What should I be doing by way of service? And when you have those questions, you you end up in different phases of various journeys trying to figure it out. And that's what I've been doing. Trying to figure it out. out. Yes. Something you said like is was interesting. So you said that you you were at this mansion and you saw these like what most what we would consider material things. Mm -hmm. Right. And you were like, okay, this is possible. And so when I hear that, like, I kind of wonder like, oh, okay, so are we saying that material accumulation of material things is equated with being successful or or pursuing your purpose? Because when I if if that's the case, then I'm like, that's not the Terry I know. Mm, That's a good point. I think for me in that moment. Well, first, let me say growing up. Right. So if you haven't heard any of our past episodes, I talk about this. I think I talk, I've talked about this before, but I grew up um, in an abusive household. I grew up very, I would say, in a poverty stricken household. So our family lived paycheck to paycheck. And so at a very young age, I knew that education And in my mind, that education would come by way of a degree, Mm -hmm. although you can have a trade and there are various ways to be educated. But for me, it was like, I need to go to college and get a degree. And the other aspect was the financial aspect. I've always wanted to be wealthy. I've always wanted to be, I I used to think it was rich, but it's more so wealthy. And the reason that was important to me is because I, you know, my family was homeless and we lived in shelters and in hotels when I was younger. And because of that, Wealth was important for me because I wanted to do better for my future family. I wanted to give back to my community. And I saw that people that had wealth, they were able to share. They weren't, well, the people that I interacted with, they weren't stingy. They weren't trying to compete with other people. They use their wealth to empower their community. And so that from a young age, I mean, I've been writing affirmations and talking about, okay, I want to have this much income because I know that I'm the type of person where if I have more, I'm going to give more. And so that that is something that's still very important for me. But I think seeing that family and their mansion and the various mansions that we cleaned, it was like this stark difference between what I had experienced. And I was like, oh, my goodness, like someone's actually living like this. And to be in a place where you're just comfortable, you have everything you need at your disposal in your home and you have these material things speaks to the fact that you for these folks, at least they were wealthy. And so that was the thing that I was, I don't really want a Maserati, but it was more so they're wealthy. They have the means to do this. And 
that was appealing to me because of the reasons I stated. And so I think that's where, like, for me, as I was listening, that's where I wanted the clarification, Mm -hmm. because what I know of you, what I see in you is not someone who is pursuing material things. I see someone who is constantly trying to give back. And so, yeah, I I think that's the piece that like I was like, okay, wait, no, that's not her purpose. (laughs) And if she's saying that material things is her purpose, like, no, let's 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 be clear for the people. I appreciate that because someone may have listened like, oh, I mean, they might have been like, oh, okay, that's her perspective. But in speaking about the purpose aspect, I have had I know we're going to talk about your journey as Mm -hmm. well, because you've had a different journey in regards to like career. I have been that person that is, I've wanted to do so many things. I'm the kind of person where I like to dibble and dabble on everything, right? So I used to want to be a fashion designer. I wanted to be a psychologist when I was younger. I wanted to be a business owner. I wanted to, I just have so many interests. And so for me, I feel like it was always very challenging to figure out what am I into? What am I interested in? And so I kind of just fell into different careers. So just to kind of give you the quick story on like my career and journey, I, you know, went to, obviously I went to high school, right? And I graduated and I decided to go to college and pursue a degree in psychology. But before I went to school and actually committed to that, someone was in my ear. And again, it's going back to the financial aspect. Someone was like, oh, you're not going to make any money if you're a psychologist if you don't have a PhD. And I was like, this is my 17 year old self. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't know if I want to be in school that long. I just want to be able to make money and help myself and my family, my community. So I decided to get a business degree. So I went to college, got my bachelor's in business. And when I was in my, I would say my junior year, I was like, yo, business statistics was about to make me drop out. I'm not into the math aspect. Yeah, I want to make money. I Math is not my thing. I could write you an essay real quick. Like I could write you an essay in a minute. We could work on a book. We could work on speeches. Numbers just wasn't my thing. I had a bad experience growing up. It just wasn't my thing, right? And so after that, I graduated or I was about to graduate from college. And I was like, yo, what am I going to do next? Like, I don't know. And I'm still questioning what is my purpose? Now, I will say one thing that I did was I listened to what other people told me. I got compliments a lot about this characteristic that people saw in me that I didn't really see in myself where they were like, oh, you have a way of like connecting with people making people feel good, connecting with them on a deep level, not just like superficial stuff, but like a deep level. And so I'm like, okay, don't know what, how the hell that's going to turn into a career, but okay, I'm keeping that as a nugget. I go to graduate school. I'm in the MBA program. I'm like, all right, cool. I'm gonna get my MBA because that's what I think I got to do to make money and be a business owner. I'm in that program for how long? Maybe like a week or so. And after that first class and seeing all that math and stats and I said, I can't do it. So I dropped out and I went to my advisor and I was crying and I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I just dropped out of this program. I can't do it. Like I literally have no interest and I already did four years of business. I can't do it again. She recommended the conflict analysis and dispute resolution program. And I was like, okay, I grew up in a lot of conflict. I might as well learn how to resolve conflict. And so I fell into a lot of stuff and just stumbled my way upon becoming the blogger, speaker, and now podcaster that I am today. And I work in tech. So I've had a very non-traditional journey. So I'm really looking forward to us diving into like, how do you find your purpose and your passion? Yeah, because I feel like there's so many misconceptions out there about it. Yeah. And as you as you were sharing your journey, I was like, well, damn, like, 
it, there was nothing straightforward no. about any of that, no. right? <laughs> and and the one of the things that stood out for me was when you said, I was one week in my MBA program and I was miserable. What made you walk away? Like what gave you the courage and the strength to walk away? Because I know there are a lot of people who would stay in a program or stay in a situation where they are completely miserable because they may look at it as, oh, I failed. Ooh. Okay, let's dive into that. Now, all right, lady, it's about that time. Dom and I want to share a few sponsors with you that we believe you'd enjoy. So stay tuned, get those promo codes, and we'll hop right back into this informative conversation. Lady, as you know, this month is Women's History Month, and it's a great opportunity to highlight the stories of Black women specifically. Black representation holds significant importance in conveying possibilities to everyone, not just those of us in the Black community. I can recall growing up watching Oprah Winfrey and the Black newscasters in my hometown of New Orleans, and it showed me the importance of sharing my own stories and using my own voice. Well, the next generation of influential Black voices can be found on NPR's latest collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of Blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's Black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the Black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective. From Tracy Ellis Ross to Beyonce's Renaissance, Michelle Obama to the women behind the Montgomery bus boycott, there's no limit to the range of Black stories, Black truths. What I love most about Black stories, Black truths is the fact that the stories are from us and they cover topics we want to hear. I recently listened to an episode called Tracy Ellis Ross is an Icon and Our Favorite Rich Auntie. And it was just such a breath of fresh air to hear her perspective on her new projects, what she loves most about podcasts, and how she feels about being called the Rich Black Auntie. It was good. Now, you know, Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now, they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as varied, nuanced, and Black as the country we reflect. Stories should never be told about us without us. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR wherever you get your podcasts. Now, there are layers here because here's the thing. The, it wasn't just an MBA program. I had moved from, now, if you're not from Pennsylvania, you probably never heard of this place, but I had moved from Kutztown University. I mean, wait, I had moved from Kutztown, Pennsylvania to Salisbury, Maryland, where I was going to school. And my master's program was tied to my housing because I was in residence life. Ooh. So it wasn't just like, oh, I'm dropping out of the program. It was like, you're letting go of this assistantship that you have 
And so that's why I went to my advisor and I was crying. Like, I literally can't do this program because I, I just, I just didn't feel like it was right. Like I, I, it wasn't in my spirit. I was like, I'm going to struggle. I literally just did four years of business for undergrad. And by the end, I was tired of it. I was like, yo, never again. I'm not doing it. But I already did the MBA thing and I had already taken the GMAT. I'd already invested so much. But after that, that week in the program, I was like, yo, I'm probably going to fill out of this. Like I literally can't not, I cannot do it. And I think what gave me, I don't even know if I say courage. I think what prompted me to do it was to well, seek support. Let's, let's say that first seek support. So I went to my advisor and that was the person I talked to. And she's the one that gave me other options, but I was ready to leave. And I didn't know what I was going to do, but I knew that I couldn't continue on that path because I was not passionate about it. Right. Mm. Sometimes you do have to suck it up, but this was the situation where I was like, I've already done four years of this. I cannot do two additional years. And I just kind of, I guess part of me kind of figured that it would all work out, I guess. Hmm. But you weren't passionate about it though. I was not passionate about it. Mm -mm. Nope. And the conflict program, that was interesting to me because I was like, all right, I convinced myself to do it because I was like, okay, one, I want to keep this assistantship and I do want to get my master's. This is, this would be a great accomplishment, but also conflict resolution is a transferable skill. So I could, I saw different avenues of me going into different areas. I didn't know what I was going to do after. I mean, I work in tech right now and I'm a motivational speaker. That has nothing to do with really any of my degrees. But I think what I've learned uh, along that crazy journey of trying to figure out where I'm going is sometimes you, I want to say sometimes you have to go with the flow. Mm -hmm. And if your spirit isn't with it and you're like, you know what? Yeah, I spent all this time here. Like some people, you know, they go into careers because their family said they should do it and they're not really interested. They're not really passionate. I, I'm just, an, I'm overly optimistic. I think it will all work out. It may be troubling. It may be difficult in the beginning, but I found my passion when I was in that conflict resolution program. And the reason I found it is because I was looking for it. So it wasn't just like, mm. I'm just going to do the program. I was, I spent those two years really working on me. So I took personality tests. I got this coach. I think I talked about in a, in a previous episode on confidence. I was really digging into who is Terry? Like, again, what is my purpose? And I found that when I asked other people and I looked at the common threads, the people, the feedback they were giving me as far as me as a person, it was related to people and like working with people, helping people sharing my story. That was like all the common theme. And then that's where the whole motivational speaking thing came in. And I was like, okay, I'm tying this all together. So the journey was like totally non-traditional, but you'll notice that there are common themes in all of our stories, right? So you might notice that someone's always giving you feedback on, girl, you are such a great listener. That means something, right? Right. It does. It like, does. You have a special way of talking to people. That means something. You always make people laugh. That means something you, you know, you do hair and you have a, a way of like growing someone's hair and making them feel good in the process or doing makeup or like, listen to the compliments that people give you. Sometimes it's easy for us to focus on the negative, but listen to the good things that people say. And you'll notice that there are common themes in your story. There's something unique. There's something that only you bring to the table, the secret sauce, the secret juice, right? That only you bring and really lean into that because chances are your purpose and your passion is tied into that. And sometimes, you know, you may not be able to monetize it, right? But you can at least find ways to feed that. Right. And I think that's a good point that it might not, you might not be able to monetize mm -hmm. it, but your nine to five may be what helps fund 
your passion. Mm -hmm. And so you might have this, your major job, not your career per se, but a job so that you can do the things that really energize you, really fuel you, motivate you, get you going. And in turn, that's what motivates you to keep doing the nine to five, because you know, if I stop doing this nine to five, how am I going to continue to be able to do my passion? Exactly. And we live in a world where people are trying to, I want to say, make this whole entrepreneur lifestyle seem so sexy, like, oh, everyone should just quit their job and go do your passion. It's like, uh-uh, boo, like I got bills to pay. And so I call my job anytime I've had a job for, let's say the past five years or so, my job is my dream funder. That's what allows me to do the things that I want to do. I got some benefits. I got me some vacation time. I have stability, which I value, and I can still make time for the passion on the side, right? If I do find that thing. Now, Dom, I want to focus on your story too, because you have a very interesting journey that I think anyone that has had this journey is pretty blessed and lucky because you've had a very different path. So let's talk about your journey. Yeah, because one of the things that you pointed out was that your your job is your dream funder. My job is the thing that I'm passionate about, right? Your job is your dream. Right, yes. right. <laughs> so I knew from early on that I wanted to be a psychologist. How? Okay, so there were two points where I knew. One, it was like sub kind of subconscious, right? So as a kid, I read the newspaper religiously. Every day I read the newspaper. Nerd. Smart, nerd, smart. nerd, oh, nerd. Smart, smart. She got them big words. <laughs> <laughs> and so, but one of the things that I liked to read was the advice column. And so now this may, this is going to age me, but whatever, it's whatever, right? Yeah. So, and I was on the way young end of the people who were reading, uh, Dear Abby and Ann Landers, mm-hmm. two sisters who wrote advice columns. And I read their stuff every day. And so, and I, and then I think also just, I'm the oldest child. And so for me, I liked being able to tell other people what to do. And my siblings will tell you that, I mean, up until like the last five to, uh, yeah, (laughs) (laughs) the timeline is still a little iffy, right? Right, right, right. And the timeline's a little iffy. So yeah, you're right. It might be last week (laughs) that I was bossy and for years I was like proud of being bossy. And in my mind, telling people what to do, like like they did in the advice column, seemed like a good thing to do. I didn't necessarily when I was younger didn't when I, and I say younger I mean like maybe 10 or so. I didn't think that that was what I was going to make a full career out of. If you had asked me at 10 what I wanted to do, I would have told you a fashion designer because mm. I had this whole little book where I would like write stories and then like write little short stories. And then I would draw the clothes for all of my characters. Girl, me too. Yes, twins. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm glad I'm not the only one no, that used to do not, that. Girl, I was nerding out with that stuff. And I just I, I was like, OK, I'm going to be a fashion designer. But I also, on the flip side of that, would say I'm going to be 
an attorney. And for years I wanted, that's what I wanted to do. I was going to be an attorney. And then I got to high school and I was like, I was watching a couple of TV shows because at that time it was like Allie McBeal, Law and Order and all these shows. And in my mind, what I saw on TV was what it meant to be an attorney. And the idea of having to stand in front of a courtroom and speak to people like that idea of public speaking intimidated me. And so I was like, yeah, nah, this is not <laughs> happening. Never I am mind. not ex <laughs> on the law school and that wasn't going to happen. The I also the idea of going to law school intimidated me. Now, mind you, in hindsight, law school takes three years. I was in graduate school for six years. Oh so, I mean, I mean, yeah. Yeah. in hindsight, I probably yeah. could have done right, it and, right. and just been, you know, just in it. But what I ended up doing, I had in high school, we had a career assignment where we had to do research on what we wanted to be when we grew up. And I did like this full, I did all the research on what it meant to be like, what it would take to be a psychologist. Cause at that time, I like, that's when I made, that's when I actually made the decision that I wasn't going to be an attorney. And so when I looked up what it was going to take to be a psychologist, I kind of basically mapped it out for myself. Like I knew once I graduated high school, I would go to school, get my bachelor's degree in four years, major in psychology. Then I would find a graduate program and it would take another six years or so for me to have my PhD. Mapped that shit out, knew that's what was going to happen. After that, the plan was I was going to have a private practice and life was going to be beautiful. Now, <laughs> that is not, that's not exactly where things are now. So I did go straight through school. So after high school, four years of undergrad, six years of grad school, not, I did that. That wasn't, and that's not to say that there weren't like roadblocks along the way, like there, that I didn't have like different things that came up like personally or even within school, but that was the goal. Like I knew to get to the next point, to get to the point of Dominique's the psychologist, I knew that that's what I had to do. So I stayed focused on that. Now, it was the after school, after graduation thing that I was like, well, huh, I don't know what's going to happen. And so when I finished my postdoc, and for those that aren't aware, like a postdoc is what you do after you get your doctorate degree. That was my next question. Excuse me, ma'am. What's the postdoc? <laughs> okay. And depending on your, depending on the field of study, it may involve research or in my case, it was a clinical position. So that meant that I was working in a college counseling center and I was seeing students, college students. And so after that, it was like, OK, I'm looking for a job. The couple of things that I applied to, I didn't get. And so it was like, oh, wait, what what's happening here? And and so for the first time, I was like, I felt a little lost because I didn't have a clear path because up until that point, I knew what the journey looked like. Like I could tell you 
step by step what this journey was going to look like. And so at this point, I didn't know. All right, lady, it's about that time. Dom and I want to share a few sponsors with you that we believe you'd enjoy. So stay tuned to get those promo codes and we'll hop right back into this informative conversation. Lady, as you know, this month is Women's History Month, and it's a great opportunity to highlight the stories of Black women specifically. Black representation holds significant importance in conveying possibilities to everyone, not just those of us in the Black community. I can recall growing up watching Oprah Winfrey and the Black newscasters in my hometown of New Orleans, and it showed me the importance of sharing my own stories and using my own voice. Well, the next generation of influential Black voices can be found on NPR's latest collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of Blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's Black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the Black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, You'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective. From Tracy Ellis Ross to Beyonce's Renaissance, Michelle Obama to the women behind the Montgomery bus boycott, there's no limit to the range of Black stories, Black truths. What I love most about Black Stories, Black Truths is the fact that the stories are from us and they cover topics we want to hear. I recently listened to an episode called Tracy Ellis Ross is an Icon and Our Favorite Rich Auntie. And it was just such a breath of fresh air to hear her perspective on her new projects, what she loves most about podcasts, and how she feels about being called the Rich Black Auntie. It was good. Now, you know, Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now, they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as varied, nuanced, and Black as the country we reflect. Stories should never be told about us without us. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR, wherever you get your podcasts. I'm trying to find, you know, trying to figure it out. And a teaching position opened up. I remember being in graduate school telling a professor, I don't need to take any classes related to being a faculty member because I'm never going to do that. I didn't like the idea of teaching. And then going back to what you said about thinking about what people tell you, what Mm -hmm. people compliment you on. I had multiple people tell me you would make a good teacher. Mm -hmm. Have you thought about that? And every time I would say, no, that ain't that ain't for me. And so what became available, what was available to me was a job teaching. And I went into it. And I fell in love with it. Mm. And right now, I, my, I, I do both. So I teach and I practice. And 
it's a lot of work. But I thoroughly enjoy it. I get up every morning knowing that at some point in my day, I'm going to have, hopefully, my goal is to have a positive impact on someone. And my job as a psychologist is not to give advice, but it's to help people be their best selves. That's amazing, Dom. I think about, that's just, I wonder what it, I don't know. I'm just kind of speechless. I'm speechless because I think about how cool that is to know from that age that, oh, this is what I want to do. And just, and I know some people like that. Like I told you, there's a girl that I know um, when we were off air who wanted to be a dentist since she was a kid and she mapped that thing out and she's a dentist today. And I'm like, that is so cool. And I think about how we both have different experiences, but I mean, it doesn't really matter what the journey is like the journey has lessons that we need to learn. There are going to be obstacles that we're going to face that are going to make us stronger. And it's, I think it's all about constantly checking in with yourself too, to like, see, am I still interested in this? Right. And I guess for, for me, my question would be being as though you've been on this journey for so long, it hasn't though you've had obstacles and you know, you face personal things. It hasn't changed much. I know I'm a person that gets bored easily. How do you keep it fresh when you know what you, what you've wanted to do? And you're like, I've been on this journey for like 10, because you said four years of undergrad and then six years of grad school. Yeah. Like that's some dedication, but I guess it is your passion. I don't know. How do you keep it? Well, what I'll say is that this year starting the podcast was something new for me. Mm -hmm. Right. And so it's taking me out of my comfort zone in terms of. I mean, now granted, we are sitting here. I mean, if you could see us, <laughs> we're pretty comfortable over here. Yeah. But and so I'm not like in front of a crowd. But I'm this is a space where I feel like I'm still able to talk about my passion or live my passion because we talk about mental health all the time. And for me, what I'm most passionate about is reducing stigma around mental health and helping us all to be our best selves, whatever that may look like. And so starting this podcast has been an opportunity for me to kind of find a new way to stay engaged in my passion. That's amazing. Wow. I'm just taking it all in. Just taking it all in. Mm. What would you recommend for people to keep it fresh. Because like you said, like your journey has been a little bit different from mine. Yeah, it has. It's, it's definitely been very different. There's been, there's been a lot of uncertainty. And I think uh, the majority, like we were saying, the majority of people are in a place where they're like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing over here. I'm just trying, I'm just figuring it out. And so I think a lot of it was that, but I've noticed those common themes. And I think paying attention to those themes and taking personality tests and really going inward to figure out, you know, not, who is Terry, right? Not who is the person I'm portraying to the world. Cause there were a lot of times in the journey where I didn't know myself. And I was like, mm-hmm. when you don't know yourself, it's so easy to get wrapped up in other people, right? And put in trial on other people. And you like something about someone and you try it on for yourself, but like really getting clear on who I am. So whether it's going to therapy, doing the personality test, those have been really helpful for me. I found that some of those personality tests, like Myers Briggs, it tells you what career paths you might be good for based on your personality. And so that's been really helpful. Um, I think in keeping it interesting, just being open to try new things. Like 
I guess we should dive into our tips for finding your passion and purpose, because I think a lot of that is going to be covered in those. And so I think the first is to have a vision and write it down. Mm -hmm. So sometimes people are like, well, I don't know what I want to do. Okay, well, write down what you don't want, because I'm telling you, when you figure out what you don't want, it makes it a lot easier for you to get closer to what you do want. And I think that also writing down the lifestyle you want. Your path was more so career focused and you had very, I want to say measurable goals. Yes. Along that path, which is beautiful. For me, I think my path was more so like lifestyle focused, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. So I've had various mm-hmm. careers. I mean, I've worked almost, I've worked so many different jobs and so many different um places. But I think for me, it was always, okay, I want to be in a place where I'm helping other people and that's so vague, right? But as I began to evolve and grow, I realized that I wanted to help people in a certain way. And that became clear to me. So for me today, it's helping people and empowering them to become their best selves. So I got a bit more, I guess, clarity on what helping people really meant for me as I tried on different careers. Right. As I you know, worked at different jobs and I realized, oh, I definitely don't want to do that shit again. And so for me, it was more so like, what lifestyle do I want to live? And so if you don't know what you want to do, Write down what you what you don't want and also write down what is your ideal goal as far as lifestyle? Like, what do you want to be able to do? Because sometimes we get wrapped up on the material things, right? Some people are like, oh, I want to get me this and do that. But it's like, think about what you want your career or your path to allow you to do. Do you want to just have, you know, two weeks of unlimited PT or not unlimited, but do you want to have, um, I don't know, three weeks of vacation per year if that's going to be important? Look for that in your next job, right? Right. Do you want to make a certain amount of money for your family and for what you want to do hobby wise? Like think about the things that you want your career or your passion to allow you to do. And that could also lead you closer to that. And I would say too to identify your why. That's step Mm -hmm. two, to identify your why. Because if you say, okay, I have this set salary that I think this is my goal, right? Depending on your your passion, it may take a long time <laughs> to get there. You know, you said that one of the things that deterred you from psychology was that someone told you, well, if you're going to make money in psychology, you need to have a PhD. So basically, like if you have a bachelor's in psychology, there's not much you can do. There's a lot that you can do with a bachelor's in psychology. It can be the foundation for so many different careers. But that's my bias because it's my field. But I say that to say that you. Your journey to getting reaching that salary goal or reaching that certain status within your passion may take some time. And you need to know why you're doing it. If you're doing it just for the money, then that means you might need to find a passion that's going to bring you money pretty quickly. Because otherwise, (laughs) there's a lot of sweat equity that goes into pursuing your passion. You better preach because I'm telling you, I've definitely been in something for the money before. And I, you know what's funny? I actually... I remember one of the one of my first jobs after grad school, I was working as a hall director at a school and I was making the most I'd ever made. Right. I had my own place. It was such a comfortable role. Everything was great, but I wasn't passionate about it. And I realized from that job, I was like, you know what? Aha moment. 
Don't choose money over your passion. And if you do, try to find a way back to your passion because I realized that having the money and these things that made me comfortable, it didn't really make me happy as far as what I was looking for in a career. And it's speaking to your why, like your why can be that thing that wakes you up in the morning that gets you excited, right? It could be family. It could be um, just a personal goal that you've had for yourself. And it's important to also realize that your why can change over time. Like people Mm -hmm. get so, I feel like this is maybe like an old school sort of way of thinking where it's like, oh, if you choose this career path, you have to stay there. No, you can evolve. You can change. I have a mentor, um, Miss Erica, and she has changed careers. I mean, literally at one point when she was my mentor and I was a teenager, she had a jewelry business where she sold jewelry at a kiosk in the mall. She's been a police officer. She was a model. She now just opened a funeral home. Like she's a funeral director. She has had almost every career I can think of and she's always reinventing herself. And I feel like sometimes in the world, we're, we're pressured to stay in this box. You got to do this one thing. Girl, I'm going to be reinventing myself for the rest of my life. And I think it's okay for us to realize that that's okay. Like it's okay for you to reinvent yourself. It's okay for you to change your mind. It's okay for you to change career paths. It's all about evolving. And if you find that, for instance, I have a blog, right? If I find that that no longer serves me and I'm no longer happy there, or I've reached my mission or goal with that particular project, move on to something else. You don't got to stay in the same place forever. Exactly. And you don't have to be, you're not Going back to our quote of the day that, you know, don't confuse who you are with where you are in your journey. So if you know that you have this particular passion, you know your why. Keep pursuing it and know that it will come that. The things that you are looking for will come. I had a mentor tell me once that, you know, because I was, you know, fresh out of grad school and I was like, oh, I'm broken. These student loans, blah, blah, blah. Right. The real life of somebody fresh out of school. And my mentor told me. Pursue your passion. The money will come. Mm -hmm. And it's not necessarily looking for a set salary, but knowing that if you are pursuing your passion, you will be satisfied in life overall. You're not looking for a certain dollar sign. You know, you're not looking for a certain amount of a certain amount of coins in your bank account. If you really are pursuing your passion, you will feel fine overall. And that takes us to tip number three, which is find a source of inspiration and restore often. I've found that being in inspiring spaces and with inspiring people has helped me learn more about myself and also what I might be passionate about. So whether that's you finding a good church or spiritual community or a practical self-help book, a blog online. I mean, we have so many online communities these days. You can find a group for just about anything. Anything. Right? Whether you think it's like a quirky little thing that only you're into, like there are groups for everything. And so finding people that are like-minded, that can also give you inspiration for finding your way, finding that path. I mean, we just realized as we were talking through this episode that as kids, we both used to draw outfits for characters for stories that we wrote so and 
I was sitting there thinking I'm the only one who's doing that, right? And so there is someone else out there. There are people mm-hmm. out there who share some of the same qualities within your passion. And I don't know about you, but I find that when I'm with like-minded people, it has a way of restoring my energy, right? Yes. Restoring my energy, but also giving me like a fresh creative perspective on my life. And it just, it's just dope. Like hang out with people that inspire you. I think that's, that's always good for the journey. So, you know, even if that includes, you know, frequent chats with positive family members or friends, inspiring music, whatever it is, being around inspiring people has a way of lifting you up. And that takes us to step four. So where you want to go. So when you Find those people who are your sources of inspiration. Find ways to connect with them and learn from them on their level. Like engage in those conversations with them. So don't just say, okay, here's my source of inspiration. I'm just going to sit and watch in wonderment. That's great at first, right? Because, you know, observation is key. But you're not going to be able to take your passion further if you're not actually pouring into it. So part of pouring into it to me means having a conversation with people who are where you want to be to figure out how to get there. I couldn't agree more, Dom. And I think that when I look back on my journey, one thing I notice is that I have helped so many other people with their vision And I'm a firm believer that what we help someone else do, God will help us do. Like if -hmm. you have a positive attitude and you may not be where you want to be, but you see this young sister out here who's doing her thing and she's, you know, making stuff happen. So into her. So whether that's compliments, whether that's a financial, if you can do so financially, if you can buy her book or invest in her some way, do that. Because I promise you, when you put that good energy out there, it will come back to you. And I've helped so many people, whether it's like a, you know, a friend that has a business and I'm working for them for a discounted rate, or, you know, even my church at home, like I've helped them do so much and just kind of giving back, you know, to the ministry or just friends in general. Like I'm a big advocate for supporting um, black businesses as well. And so when I see, okay, for example, I'll give you an, ex- an example here. So when I wanted to start a blog back in, what was that? 2011, 2012. I didn't know what to do. So I went online and did my Googles and I found this woman who had started a blog and I was like, Oh, cool. She has a coaching program. It was reasonably priced. So I called her up for a coaching program and I bought some of her resources so I could learn for myself. Right. So sewing into myself, Mm -hmm. but also investing in her business. So I think when you come from a, a place of just genuine, when you come from a place where you want to genuinely help other people, I just believe that good things are going to come to you. Yeah. And I like what you said about investing in yourself. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I think that's part of that process is that in investing in yourself. I mean, let's be real. For a lot of us, investing in ourselves might appear hard because we're looking at investing and we're equating that with finances. Mm -hmm. And investing in ourselves does not necessarily mean just from a financial perspective. It means investing time in ourselves. So like you said, taking time to do those personality tests to kind of figure out where you, who you are and taking advantage of free resources that will help you invest in yourself. 
And no matter what city you live in, there are tons of free resources out there for you to get the assistance to pour into you to help you figure out where you want to go. And we have Google. So come on now. You Anything is what? Googleable? I'm going to say, I'm just, I don't know if that's a word. That's going to be in the Webster's Every, Dictionary yes, pretty soon. It will be. <laughs> Everything is Googleable. You can Google anything. So whether you want to start a business, start a a podcast, right? That's what we did. We went to right. Google and YouTube. Like, how do we start a podcast? We didn't know what we were doing. And so there are no excuses for us not to invest in ourselves when we have so many resources at our disposal. And the thing about it is, you know, we have to be willing to invest in ourselves before we ask other people to invest in us. I had a, there's this one guy that I know and he started this company and he was so quick to ask people, oh, can you do this? Can you do that? But it's like, bro, you're not even doing anything for yourself. And the thing about it is people are more inclined to invest in you when they see that you're excited and you're investing in yourself. So before anyone invests in you, we should be really investing in ourselves. Like if you think about the podcast, we didn't go out asking for handouts. We put our time in, we studied, we read, we learned, we fell forward. I mean, we figured it out. And now people are you know, coming to the podcast to offer feedback and to, you know, ask us to be, you know, featured on their platforms and things like that. But it's because we believed in ourselves first. And right. so I think that's really, really important. And I think the the key with that, too, is one, un- please understand that we are still growing in this yes. and that part of your journey means that there's not necessarily an end to the journey. Like you're constantly moving forward. And so that leads us to step five, create a roadmap or find one. So creating that roadmap can look like setting goals, can look like outlining what it's going to take to like concrete steps, right? So for me, initially I had that roadmap of, okay, from high school to the PhD, what does this ro- what does this look like? And I created a roadmap. Now, part of my <laughs> part of my struggle was figuring out, well, what does the roadmap look like after graduation? And I think for me, what it also meant was stepping back and realizing that the roadmap is not something that is set in stone. There's going to be lots of wiggle room and Your goals, some of those goals may get pushed back or may have to come sooner than you expected, but at least have some idea of the direction you want to go in. And so, again, that roadmap doesn't have to have a point by point, turn by turn navigation, but at least have some idea of the direction you're trying to get to either have an idea of where you're trying to get to or where you're like, hell no, I definitely don't want to go there, right? That too, because that'll let you know, okay, this is off limits. Let me go to the other way. I think that's spot on. And I think there's a quote, I think it's by Henry Ford, but it says, if you believe you can, you can. If, if you believe you can't, you can't. And there was a recent experience that I shared with Dom over dinner where I'm doing this new workout plan, trying to bulk up a little bit, get in the gym, get the muscles for the summer. And I was telling her how the the meal plan that I have, they're requiring or they're suggesting that I drink two gallons of water a day. 
And when I first read that, I was like, oh, hell no. What, what? That's not even possible. That's literally the first thought I had. I was like, that's not possible. Number one, I'm too small to be drinking two gallons of water a day and eating these six meals. And so I reread the content and I was like, oh, this is interesting. I noticed within myself, like I have a limiting belief right now. Like I don't think, even though this calls for me to drink two gallons of water, I don't think it's possible. And because I don't think it's possible, because I'm still working on that belief, that shuts off any chance of me accomplishing that because I've already told myself in my mind, it ain't possible. I can't do it. It's just not a thing. It's funny that I talked to my colleague the other day and he he does jujitsu and he was telling me that he drinks two gallons of water a day when he's trying to cut weight. And I was like, oh, so it is possible? And he's like, yeah. And I was like, okay. So that means if he can do it, I can probably do it too. This is like a real thing. People do drink two gallons of water a day. Um, but it was a very eye-opening moment for me because I saw in that moment how something so simple, right? Two gallons of water a day, how believing something or the lack of belief can really impact how we show up. So if you're out there and you're like, okay, I'm going to try this new hobby, or I'm going to lose weight, or I'm going to gain weight, or I'm going to start this blog or start this business. But in the back of your mind, you're like, I can't do that shit. It's not possible. People that look like me can't do it, or no one in my family has done it. Guess what? You are literally, that is a self-fulfilling prophecy. You are literally speaking that limitation on yourself. And just like if I continue to say to myself and believe that I cannot drink two gallons of water a day, that shit still seems bizarre, but I'm I'm opening up to that. You and got I'm, this. I'm opening you got up to this. it and I'm being honest with myself. Like, you know what? This is where I'm at today. Cause that shit really does seem like, I don't see how I'm going to be able to do that and do my job. I'm like, I'm going to be running to the bathroom, but you see how I'm like making excuses. I'm still struggling with that right now. And so I just had a real moment and I wanted to share that with you that our beliefs are so powerful. So even if you're in in your mind, it's like saying, oh, you can't do it. Combat that with no, yes, you can. And that's what I'm going to work on myself. You do it and I'll do it as well. And we'll, we'll see where we end up. It's July. We have a little under six months left in 2019. Let's do this. You have time to start that roadmap, to start your journey, whatever that journey is. You have time to take some actionable steps. And if you need help with trying to figure out how to create those actionable steps, go back in our archives to season one, episode two, we'll talk about how to manage your time. And episode three, we'll talk about how to overcome procrastination, which is a thing that will keep us from actively pursuing our passion. So we'll check in on the Herspace Sanctuary to see how we are doing with pursuing our purpose and our passion. Thanks for joining us today in Herspace. Please note that our show may contain conversations about self-help, advice, self-empowerment, and mental health, but it is by no means meant to be a substitute for an ongoing formal relationship with a trained mental health provider. If you or someone you know is in need of mental health care, please visit the Therapy for Black Girls directory, Psychology Today, or contact your insurance provider. If you liked what you heard and want to keep the conversation going, connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at her space podcast or check out our website at herspacepodcast.com and before we meet again repeat after me 
I will not judge myself for where I'm starting. I'm making progress every day. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week, ladies.